Thanks for hanging in there. Welcome back. It is Mile High Magazine Sunday morning here, and I am Murphy Houston. Joining me now is friend Coco Christ, who's the executive director of the Governor's Residence Preservation Fund. Coco, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, Murphy? Yeah, we're doing good. And I, I don't think I've talked to you since pre-COVID days. It's been a while with everything being shut down, including the governor's mansion, right? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of crazy. But, you know, we were talking a little bit ahead of time here about all the people coming to Colorado. They all want to live here, and who can blame them? But let's talk about the governor's mansion or governor's residence here in Colorado. Give a little history about it, because it's a very cool place. It is, and I'm so excited to be here to share with everyone today, because um, many people don't know the history of the governor's mansion and the Betcher family and the Cheeseman family and how it ended up becoming the executive residence for the Colorado governors. So initially, the home was built in 1908 by Walter Cheeseman and his wife, Alice. Um, unfortunately, Walter died before the completion of the house. So Alice Cheeseman lived there with her daughter, Gladys and her husband, John Evans II. So um, the home was supposed to be 40,000 square feet initially. And after Walter Cheeseman's death, Alice decided to scale down the home um, to a whopping 26,000 square feet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Well, Even now, 26,000 square feet is enormous. Well, I've been there. It is enormous. (laughs) Yes, and it's three stories. So Alice Cheeseman lived on the second story and then Gladys and John Evans, the second lived on the third story. So it was initially built to be a home for two families to reside there. Um, But then in the early twenties, Alice decided that it was too much for her to maintain after Gladys and John Cheeseman, John Evans, the second moved out. So she decided to sell the home and she sold it to the Betcher family. So Clyde and Edna Betcher lived there for many years until their death. And after their death, they um, willed the house to the Betcher Foundation. And in 1959, the Betcher Foundation decided that it would be a perfect residence for the governor to live in. However, the state legislature and the governor at the time did not really want to accept the residence and all that comes with the maintenance and cost of the residence. Sure. So, um, you know, after months and months, about a year, they went back and forth and finally struck a deal um, that the residence would become the executive residence of the governor with the caveat that the Betcher Foundation would pay around $15,000 a year for three years of maintenance. So the last day of 1959, Governor Stephen McNichols accepted the building as a gift to the state. And since then, nearly every single governor has lived there at some point of their term. Does Governor Polis live there? Has he, he's lived there, right? You know, he um, has not lived there. They have an amazing home up in Boulder and his kids are in school and they've got a great family life up there. But he does stay there quite regularly so we're going to consider that you know yeah. living or staying sure that counts yeah <laughs> yes. i think it does of course but you know really during covid murphy they um that administration has been using the residents much more often than any other governor has for state events and meetings and that's where all the press conferences during covid have been taking place and we have three tiers of gardens and outdoor space where they're holding quite a few of their meetings safely um, and with enough, you know, safe space and outdoor fresh air as possible. 
Well, and thank goodness they're doing that. I didn't realize they were doing a lot of those at the mansion. I thought they were at the Capitol doing those all those special interviews and things. That's good to know. No, yeah, no, it's actually um, in the carriage house of the residence. Oh, very cool, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that people are thinking, great, our tax dollars at work here, this is costing us a fortune to keep that place up, but it really isn't the tax dollars. It's this preservation fund you're involved with, isn't it? Exactly. So the state pays for general health and safety maintenance, you know, Um, But the preservation of the home is really taken care of through the preservation fund. And that is initially why Jeannie Ritter and Frances Owen started this fund, because they realized that the state didn't have the budget to do all the special projects and keep the house maintained in a way to really represent Colorado history with pride. Right. And that's a big time job. (laughs) Yes, it is. And, you know, I mean, 75 percent. Um, of our operating budget comes through private donations and grants. So we rely heavily on the private sector for support. Well, it's good we have the ladies in charge there because they always uh, make it make it work. And it, it was kind of owned by women for a while, wasn't it? Yeah. So as I mentioned, the house um, was originally owned by Alice Cheeseman. Right. And then the Betchers bought it from her and in a grand gesture – um, Claude Betcher gifted it to Edna Betcher as a Valentine's right. Day gift. He gave her the title to the residence. So truly, the house has almost always been owned by women. Well, that's the way it should be. Back in the, you know, Colorado, during the suffrage movement, was one of the early states. Molly Brown was uh, really involved with that, mm-hmm. getting the women vote here before a lot of other places where the women could vote. Wasn't that true? True. And last year, we celebrated the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage and the women's right to vote. Um, you know, we've always had progressive women in Colorado. And I think that the residence is in a really central position um, to kind of share this history with the public. And so that's why it's really important for us to fundraise to keep the governor's residence preservation fund um, up and running in a healthy organization because we partner with History Colorado and provide free public programming in terms of free historic tours, and free educational programs throughout the year. It's a fabulous place, and I've had the opportunity to emcee events down there over the years, and it's it's just, yeah. a, it's just a cool place to visit. It's right downtown off 8th Avenue, for those that don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, yep, it's on the corner of, well, it's in between Pennsylvania and Logan Streets on 8th Avenue. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place. But the good news is, you know, we've all been set back with the COVID experience and things are beginning to subside somewhat. But uh, you are raising some funds with a very exciting event. So, by the way, this is Coco Christ, director of the Governor's Residence Preservation Fund. We're trying to raise some funds for that preservation fund. Let's talk about that. Well, as I mentioned before, most of our um, operating costs come through private um, funding, including fundraising events and ticket sales and sponsorships. So on October 2nd, we have an amazing event planned. It's a black tie affair. So it's a black and white event. It's our second annual, and it's a Colorado masquerade. And what we have planned is a completely outdoor safe event. We'll be using the entire back of the entire south terrace of the house. So we've got a terrace up top, and then we've got an ellipse garden, and then another terrace down by the um, carriage house to use. So we have great food from Epicurean Catering. We have music from um, Jerry Barnett and a moment's notice. 
We have flowers from Newberry Brothers and a whole list of great sponsors this year. Uh, The Colorado Brewers Guild, the Distillers Guild, Molson Coors. Um, So we're really, really excited to host a fun, safe outdoor event. We haven't been able to do anything since February 29th of 2020. That was our first annual black and white event. And it was kind of fortuitous because everything sort of shut down a few weeks later. Uh, So those funds have kind of kept us going through this time, but it's been over a year and a half. And we're really excited to have this opportunity to welcome the public back into the residence. So, and of course, people listening now might be saying, all right, what are the COVID restrictions? How are you going to handle that? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? So, um, you know, even though it is outside, we are... um, we are requiring everyone to be vaccinated, and you may be asked to provide proof of your vaccination record. Um, it's going to be an outdoor event, so make sure everyone dresses accordingly. And obviously, we will be following all state and federal health guidelines. Will the governor be there, you think? You know, it's on his calendar, so <laughs> I think he's planning to be there and the lieutenant governor. And um, we only have about 25 tickets left. So Wow. If anyone, yeah, if anyone's interested in registering for the event, you can go to www.coloradoshome.org backslash event or email me at coco at grpfund.org. And what are the tickets? I mean, do you, is it like going to be like a masquerade ball? You're getting into the Halloween time, you know. I know. I hope so. I hope people, you know, come with their most festive masks. And you can interpret that as a face mask or a masquerade right. mask. Yeah, you know, you, you, it's interpretive. And it's also, we, we're calling it a Colorado black tie. So, you know, not everyone wants to rent a tux or yeah. buy a tux or whatever. So, you know, interpret that as you like. It's, it's Colorado black tie, the way we like to do it. It could be jeans and a dark jacket. It's an outdoor event. So, yeah. you know, we just want people to come and have a good time and enjoy each other, enjoy the good food, the company, the music. Well, you know, and that's Colorado. People dress the way they want to dress. And that's what one of the many things we love about our state. It doesn't always have to be a tuxedo, right? No. No, not at all. And I, you know, just touched base with our friend Ed Green. He also oh. has emceed quite a few events at the residence. And it looks like, you know, we're going to be in the high 70s and sunny. So really, I mean, what a perfect evening to be outside and safely have a great time. Well, so you- the ticket cost. Sorry. I need to go back to that. Yeah. Um, an individual ticket is $125 and a couple's ticket is $200. And that goes to the preservation fund. Absolutely. Yep. So you got Ed Green emceeing again this year. You better make sure he wears a mask. <laughs> well, I don't know if he's going to emcee. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I think the governor is going to speak and um, we have an amazing art installation through K Contemporary Gallery uh, downtown. Um, there's this world-renowned artist, if anyone's heard of him, his name is Hunt Slonum, and he just opened at K Contemporary Gallery. Um, and so we're going to do kind of a pop-up installation at the residence for the night of October 2nd also. It's going to be a big shindig. And let's let's get back up a little bit here, Coco. Tell people where the money's going to go. They're thinking, oh, boy, a pile of cash. What are they going to do with that? Just maybe give them some ideas what the preservation fund will do with that money. So the preservation fund focuses on preservation projects, whether they're structural or interior needs, um, refurnishing the residence, um, restoring artwork that has either been installed um, originally 
when the house was built or pieces that have been collected through the Betcher family. Uh, the money will definitely go toward our free public programs that um, focus on Colorado history and heritage and um, our free education program that we share with third, fourth, and fifth graders studying Colorado history. Now, that's all been kind of on hiatus because of COVID, though, hasn't it, some of those tours? Yeah, it has. You know, we were able to offer tours this summer. So we had weekly free historic tours on Wednesdays this summer with our History Colorado docents. And um, our next tour option may be during the holidays. However, we're waiting to see if it will be um, a safe opportunity to welcome friends into the residence, um, depending on what the COVID restrictions look like and and how the numbers look. Well, and to see the governor's mansion decorated for Christmas is awesome, isn't it? It is. It's very outstanding. And in the past, we've had ASID designers decorating, but um, the governor's chief of staff, Lisa Kaufman, loves, loves decorating for Christmas. So not last year, the year before, um, we had all sorts of people from the governor's office and the state legislature and friends of the governor's residence preservation fund decorate the house, and it was outstanding. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great place. Everybody needs to see our fine governor's mansion because it's so historical and it's just beautiful. So, again, that big event's coming up on October 2nd. Where do we get the tickets again? Let's repeat that information, Coco. All right, www.coloradoshome.org backslash events. And it's going to be a great deal of fun. What Are you going to dress up uh, for anything like that, or what are you going to do? Yeah, I've uh, got a, a big floor-length ball gown oh, and a fun mask to wear. Oh, yeah. yeah that's... I mean, I haven't dressed up in a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, that's going to be a great event. I'm just so glad you're doing something to you know, get people back to the governor's residence because it is something to see. So, Coco, thanks again for what you do there, the executive director of the Governor's Residence Preservation Fund. Keep us informed on what's happening there, will you? I sure will. Thanks. I appreciate your time. Thank you, too. And thank you guys for listening. It's Mile High Magazine. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll talk to you next week.